Hello, you're listening to Shorthand, a guide to making a short film, a BFI Network and Film Hub Southeast podcast. Whether you are actively making a short film or passively thinking about it, this is a podcast designed to help you on the journey from coming up with a compelling short film idea to editing it into a finished product. Applications for the BFI Network Short Film Fund open on the 14th of March, so by now you might have assembled a team and are starting to think about the elements you need to bring together that application. In this episode, we're going to be talking about one of those all-important elements, the budget. It might not be sexy, but it's necessary. You'll hear from producers about where to begin with building a budget, what kinds of things you need to cost up, and where you might be able to save costs, and how to ensure that the budget is on the screen. At the beginning of the process of making any short film, I guess I break down the script. So if you're more experienced or you have access to softwares like Movie Magic, budgeting and scheduling, then that might be more of a formal process, but you really don't have to do it in that way. You can just break down a script on your own. So in practice, this is just going through every scene and looking at the elements of that scene. So the way I always think about it is you pull out everything that needs to be created or where you need to enable somebody else to achieve that, or anything that requires some form of creativity or a practical solution, or any people who are going to be in that scene. That's Emily Everdee, a Biffa-nominated film producer and founder of Everdee Media, with several short films under her belt, including Mandem, The Call Centre, and Listen to Me Sing. Emily has a fair bit of practice with putting together a budget. Here she discusses where to start, how to break down a script, and why it's crucial to be in conversation with every department to figure out what they need to do their job. So you're going to look at things like, you know, how long the scene is, therefore how much time it's going to take to film it, which characters are in the scene, whether you need cast members, extras, what's the location and what do you need in that location, what props, etc. And anything else that's a little bit different, so any animals, any special vehicles, any special skills as well, don't forget anything like stunts or there are any weapons you would need for example an official armorer anything that stands out to you make sure you take a special note of that and then once you've done that for each scene you essentially have the, the scale and the physical requirements of your film and that's then when I start to put a budget together so I do that all before I start actually looking at what I need in the budget and that should then give you some indication of the scale of your movie and how many people you might need to achieve that so for example if you've got small film and it, t- it all takes place in one location and there's just a couple of characters then you might not need such a big AD team you might need you might be able to cut it down for example to a first AD and then someone covering the role of a second and a third as long as the first is comfortable with that and you might also not need multiple assistants for costume makeup because there's a limited cast uh, and also if you're limited to one or two smaller locations then your production team and drivers, for instance, might not need to be as big. So that's really how I'd start, just by taking the script and looking at all the practical elements in that. Once you have your HODs on board, I would just go back through each head of department and talk to them in detail about what they and their team would need to achieve their job. Because very often, as a producer, you're not a specialist, you're more of a a generalist in terms of all of the other roles on the film. So you have to have a a really good understanding of every role, but you are never going to have as great an understanding as that head of department. So I have a conversation with all the heads of department that I have on board at the time of budgeting and take them through their job. And then 
I make sure that I'm applying that to the budget. In terms of getting other people's input and approval over the budget, I would be careful not to ever give a director specific approval unless they also were serving as an executive producer and helping to finance the film, in which case they have a, a producing role on the film. But I would make sure that I'm always having discussions about different solutions and ways of getting the most out of the money that we have in order to achieve the scenes in question. So while I wouldn't necessarily always give the director and heads of department full access to my budget, I would talk them through the elements of the budget that uh, apply to them. And also I'd be very open and honest about where the limitations are, where we might be able to push things and get a little bit more money for that area or more out of our money and do deals, for example, and just really share openly the context and the situation that we're in without necessarily presenting the numbers. The reason for this is that ultimately, in the, in the same way that you're not an expert in you know, cinematography or costume design, nobody else is an expert in producing. And so you ultimately, your job is to balance the distribution of the budget according to the needs of that specific film. But what I would do is always make sure that I'm having a really good in-depth conversation with each head of department and making sure that I understand their needs and that they feel listened to. And then I might go away and reassess how I've distributed my budget and move things around from one line into the other based on what I've learned. I think one of the things that a lot of crew can feel most frustrated by sometimes is that they haven't, their needs haven't been taken into account or nobody's been thinking in detail about how they can practically achieve what they need to achieve creatively on the budget that they have. And so there's a few things that I do to try and establish really great lines of communication from as early as possible. The first thing is that when I'm, when I'm actually recruiting, when I am crewing the film, I always give as much information as I possibly have to that person, even if it might be the kind of information that you feel like holding back. For instance, we have a tiny budget and our, our fees aren't what you're going to be used to, or we don't have massive floats for each department, or you know, we can't provide X, Y, or Z. It's far better to give that information right from the start, to be really open with the context of the project, why the budget's limited if it is, and what sort of uh, contribution you're looking for from that role. I find that when you do that, that then gives people the opportunity to turn down or accept that role based on those terms. And crew often feel more trusting of you because you've given them more information right from the beginning. And then what I do is when I have confirmed a head of department, I will have a one-to-one -one conversation with them, just them and me as the producer, which isn't so much the creative conversations that we would have with the director or that they might have directly with the director. It's more of a okay, here's the role, here's the budget, here are my plans logistically, what are your questions, what are your needs? And I have created this exercise for myself where I effectively walk myself through the experience of that HOD in my own head. So I think, you know, what am I asking them to create or to achieve? Where will they be prepping? How will they get there? Where will they park? What will they, they need to have there? For example, equipment, where will that be stored after they finish prepping? Who else might they need to help them? What will they eat and drink when they're there? Uh, and then how much prep time and strike time do they need on location itself? What will be required of them on the day? And, you know, what is the end product that that person is trying to achieve? I find that that really helps you to spot in advance 
some of the niggling challenges that can often come up in short filmmaking at the last minute when you get a call from you know the costume designer saying well how am I supposed to get five suitcases of clothes to that location I don't have a car that's big enough or something similar to that and then after I've done that I'll have that one-on-one conversation with the HOD we'll talk about some of the bigger challenges for that that person on the budget that we have and come up with solutions together and once you open that line of communication right in the beginning of the process I find that they come to you more often and express how they're doing what's going well what the challenges are that have come up so that you're not then shocked at the last minute by you know things that you didn't realize were perhaps going wrong or weren't quite being achieved. Next up Emily offers some tips for staying on budget and what other perhaps more surprising things you should be budgeting for. One of the consequences of things cropping up last minute is that it can eat into your budget and if you're not careful it could force you to tip over budget and something that I will always say to new producers is make sure that you don't tell yourself you can spend contingency before you get to the shoot so contingency should be really if you have a contingency line in your budget which might be on some projects 10% on some maybe 5 to 10% of your overall budget you really should consider that for things that crop up in the future that you can't imagine now are going to go wrong and that happen either on the shoot or in post-production or maybe just in those last couple of days where you're prepping and everything's a bit mad. But if you are already thinking a few weeks before the shoot, well, that's probably going to need more money. Then I would do the work now to try and shuffle budget around, find ways to save money uh, in other areas, to try and come up with some you know, ingenious solution of getting a better deal or doing something a different way, have conversations with crew members that might be able to help you find those solutions and free up that money for that thing that you already have a feeling is going to go over rather than just dipping into your contingency because it it seems like it's free money there available to you. On a short film, if you're going to go over budget, you're in quite a different position to if you're on, say, a big feature film or a studio film because very often those are being run by companies that have quite a lot of money and that may be able to just find a bit more money for you. But very often on the short film, that's not the case. The budget that you've got is the budget that you have. So it's especially important that you really think your way through, like I said, the experience of everybody who's contributing to your film and make sure that you're communicating regularly with the director so that they have expectations that are in line with what you can achieve for them and that you're both going to be really happy with the end result. Because if you do come to going over budget then that's when you have to either make cuts in other areas that you weren't planning to make or maybe raise a bit more money in post. When it comes to costs of marketing and distribution for example applying to festivals if I'm completely honest that is often the thing that comes out of the budget when you're trying to make cuts if you are required to fit your budget to a certain amount for an application or you've been given a grant of a certain figure. Sometimes it can be difficult to carve out money for distribution and festivals because you do feel like your priority is getting the film made. And that makes sense. But if you can include a bit of money for at least festival entry and a bit of money for, for example, a poster design that's going to be really eye-catching, It can do world of wonders for your film because ultimately what you want is for audiences to see that film. 
but I would say that the average festival, uh, the average, say, BAFTA qualifying or Oscar qualifying festival, which is often a marker of one of the more established festivals, would be between 10 and 15 pounds up to, you know, 60, 70 pounds entry. So if you are going to apply to a handful of festivals or more, you're probably going to need at least a, a few hundred pounds for that. But this is also something that you can definitely raise more money for in post-production through crowdfunding using the resources that you now have from your film if you don't manage to fit that into your initial budget. Sometimes I think some of the most challenging things to budget for are some of the elements that are newer for producers and that we have started to take into account in the last few years. One of the things you might want to think about is sustainability on production and how, you know, as a film industry, what our carbon footprint is. And on a short film, this doesn't need to be as complicated and as scary a topic as you might imagine. I would recommend going onto the BAFTA Albert website. You can get some free training from BAFTA Albert talking about how, you know, the industry impacts on the planet and looking at some production case studies. And you can also then get a carbon calculator to work out what your specific short film's footprint would be. And if you manage to, you can also pop a little bit of budget in there towards offsetting the carbon footprint of your film. And BAFTA Albert can, can help you do that. So you make a contribution to them and then they make a contribution to causes and charities that help with that. You also need to obviously think about the COVID situation at the time of filming and what your COVID protocols are going to be. And very often, especially if you have actors who are going to be acting in close contact unmasked, you'd want to account for some testing costs. And the best advice I can give for getting a sense of what's appropriate at the current time of your shoot is to speak to First Option Limited if you can, or another um, health and safety organisation who are really up on the latest information on COVID and the testing that is recommended because it does really change as the COVID situation changes. All in all, what you need to do if you have budget elements and you just don't know how much it's going to cost or exactly what's required, give a call to anybody that you can who's a specialist in that area. You would be amazed how open people are to actually talking you through their services and what the costs are and if you're open with them about the scale of your film and that you're still learning very often people are very generous with their quotes as well. One, how do you eat an elephant one piece at a time is very much the way of going about it. Are you in a city or are you in the beach? Are you in the mountains? You break the script down into sections traditionally called eights and you know how many how many eights can you shoot in a day you know you may be looking at shooting three page, three pages a day and that also depends on how many unit moves you've got so when you've got your locations your cast members you can then look to build the budget around that and at the beginning it will be a very kind of it's a completely you know it's a movable feast the budget and it will be changing from the day you start till the day you finish and i think you've just got to be wary of that that's jesse romain a film producer whose credits include animation shorts such as Oh Black Hole and Soft Animals, as well as live action projects such as Cowboy and White Girl. Here he's talking about what it takes to build a budget, where you find quotes, what you should be paying people, and why a budget isn't a fixed entity, but rather something that you adjust and amend. Working at how much things should cost on a short is incredibly difficult. You're starting off from the fact that you're hoping people are doing it for the, for the love rather from the money and that everyone's aware of that when you start so you've got people and you've got locations and you've got kit 
you really it's super important that you pay everyone and from there you're kind of your starting point is a, is minimum wage for most of your crew and then you may be personally i've i've identified maybe a, an, an hod buyout head of department buyout rate where they're all on the same amount of money then it's just clearer for you in your head when you're dealing with things and then actors are on equity minimum and that's clear and there's no deviation from that it's likely there's never any income that comes from this film which does make things i guess slightly easier at this point that you've got nothing to share out in the future so that's when it that's how it comes to 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 crew as i said it's really important that you pay people maybe as a possibility if you're working with with students who where the experience is beneficial that you may be able to work with volunteers and i've done that and it's there were an amazing energy and life lifeblood to the set and it was brilliant to work with them in terms of kits that's harder you need to work out sometimes you might want to speak to your dop early on to work out what they need and hope and pray that they have relationships with kit houses ultimately you know lots of people would rather be making short films creatively than adverts or more commercial work so there might be deals that you could do if people have got other relationships and then locations are always tricky i just suggest putting numbers in the budget early on and just working towards them and then you've also got to be aware of if you're filming outside you know you, you should probably i'm not saying you people will do this but you should probably ring up the, the borough and find out they've all got you know they're all film savvy and there's film councils and and ring them up and find out how you you film there and what the costs are but initially it's about putting numbers down in the budget which you can then kind of tailor and, and amend as you as you go along in the next segment you'll hear jesse discuss setting up a production company how you decide who you need on set, how to save money on a film, and why the key to a happy set is making sure people know what their jobs are and what they're responsible for before filming starts, and how involved the director should be in budget conversations. The first thing one, one probably needs to do in, when you're going for BFI funding, and you can change it as you go, so it doesn't have to be for the, for the, for the actual initial funding round, but if you were to get funding, you need to know quite early as whether you're going to make the film through an, as an individual or as a limited company. There's Pros and cons of both. I've setting up a limited company is not hard. It's through company's house and anyone can do it. Although once you have a limited company, you have to do accounts which have costs and complications. But you are protected as a as a limited company that should anything go wrong, then it's not your liability, which I think is helps me sleep at night when there's lots of other things rolling around in your head. And then again, when you're a limited company, then you can consider the tax credit. I would think that it's worth thinking about that if you're making a film for you know 15 or grand then you're looking at possibility of two or three back you, you make a film for 18 and you're and it's actually 15 that makes sense because two or three of that it comes from the tax credit but you need to spend money on accountants to make that happen some people have done it themselves but it does sound complicated i haven't actually got to that stage yet i'm just doing it with a film i'm making if you're saying that there's three grand that you're going to get from tax from tax credit then you need to show where you're going to get that from because you don't get it back till after you've made the film so first of all coming back to that i'd recommend setting up a, a limited company and then having when you get funding before the bfi give you any money you need to have insurance and that is money you'll have to put that out yourself to get to get insurance and that's about ringing around they've got a list of brokers on their site and you ring them and you tell them what you're what you're planning to do, you know, what the budget is and how many days shoot. And they'll ensure you for longer, you know, it's a it's something that goes on for longer because there's different elements that are being insured. And you'll need that insurance again to hire any kit. The kit houses are likely to say, you know, to need a certain level of, of insurances for, for what they hire. 
defining the parameters of who you need on set is is incredibly tricky and will depend massively from one set to the other if you've got a lot of cast you'll probably need a second ad but it might be that you can do without if you're shooting outdoors you won't have a lot of light set up so you probably won't need the same amount of sparks or you know technical crew which will make shooting a lot quicker and easier but will bring with it its own problems if you're shooting inside you're you know with lights you'll probably need sparks and if you've got one spark if you, you probably need two because there's carrying and lifting and all of and all of that that's going on if you've got children then you've got to well, there's check the licensing laws on this but there's you know different ages you'll need a chaperone and then you'll need a space for the child as well when they're in downtime so these are kind of all things to consider runners wise you just need <laughs> you need someone on on the base to you know to look after the teas and coffees because if you don't then they'll go everywhere <laughs> um, and i personally have worked with you know i've been fortunate to have production managers which have been great because you just can't be everywhere as a producer and you you want to be creative producing um as much as possible although invariably you'll probably be you know locking up at the end and doing the bins and everything else how to save money on a film is a really tricky question people have been making films for a long time and the the roles are quite clearly identified for for a reason um you know you need everyone on a set but if you are making a short with a small crew do you need need everyone i mean can you get by without a DIT, without a script supervisor, without, you know, the actors doing their own makeup? Will someone do stills for you? If you are going to try and avoid, you know, go without some of these roles, who are all super important in their own way, I think I think it's important to just let everyone know what the situation is. And, you know, if you're not having a script supervisor, which we went without on my last short, does is a director aware and are they happy because, you know, something will fall on them? And luckily the director was was brilliant and that wasn't a problem. If you aren't going to use a DIT, are the camera team okay with that? I think there are ways you can save. And then on the day when you're shooting, catering can be incredibly expensive. Is there someone within your production team? I wouldn't recommend, I mean, you know, there's obviously health and safety implications, so I've got to be careful, but it has, we have catered and it has been more successful than, than not. So it's just taking it, having the plan and just talking with people and making sure people are aware what their jobs are going to be before they start. Because the main thing you want, and the most efficient filming, is having a, a happy set with people who are well-fed and know what they're doing. Bringing the, the director in with the budget and their vision is hugely important. Again, they should know what the limitations are in terms of what they're trying to make. And I think there's very likely, in the, in the, the, the kind of the BFI shorts that we're talking about here, it's quite possible the director isn't being paid so they might well be but it's very hard to finance the film with, with on that level so they'll be kind of aware of the budget and then it's just about trying to make sure that you work with them to give them the confidence that you trust them and you want to give them what they want but also so they know if they want you know they, if they want a sunset scene and a sunrise scene that's going to be a that's just not going to work in a three-day shoot and so they've got to pick one and it's about picking kind of the hero shot that defines the world and, and working with it but you don't want to be no 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 you don't want to be that producer but at the same time you know they've they've got to be aware what there's got to be some give and they can't have everything finally jesse speaks to the differences between budgets for animation and live action and his tips for filmmakers on putting together a workable budget that gives everyone what they need there's quite a few differences between live action and animation 
there's less inputs into into animation than there are live action and you're not going to be dealing with kind of as many complications of crew and a, a scheduling a day isn't isn't going to be the same in a in a live action you've got quite a stressful couple of days shoot where you've got to get everything in and you're beholden to the weather or these things which which don't exist in animation but budgeting for animation again it starts with the schedule you can need to break it down again bit by bit to work out what you're going to achieve and it's slightly different between 2d and stop motion and also one key thing and i th i think from is in animation you want to get to an animatic quite quickly because an animatic is like a kind of a it's a storyboard essentially which shows your your film a script doesn't quite do justice for an animation um, well depending on what your animation is if it's a normal house in a normal world then the script is fine but an animation can go to much further far off places than that so it's nice to to have that and then you know, working out how many seconds of work per day your animator can do and how much support they need and how much, well, you know, what their rates are will then feed into the budget. I guess the big cost in animation, which you haven't got in live action, is you might need a studio space where your your animator works. And an animation is kind of it's kind of the opposite of a documentary, whereby a documentary, you it's likely that you may form the film in the edit at the end, whereas in an animation, it's important to form the film in the edit at the beginning so you don't have to reanimate or go back. But, you know, the approaches at the beginning, I think, are very similar to that live action of just breaking it all down and just trying to understand what each individual element will cost. As I said, with that live action, you might learn as you go that some things are going to be over or some things can be under. But if you put numbers down to start with, you'll get there. It's just to be fully aware of your budget is the, is the most important thing. You want to have some them fat in it, maybe, so that you've got some things to play with. But, you know, you don't want to have a film with have money and have money left at the end that's not great either but again you, you don't want to go over so it's about knowing your budget being aware of it there'll be some things which you will make which will happen cheaper than you expect it to happen but there will probably be more things which happen at a greater cost than you expect to happen if you do get to the stage of you know if you're running late on a day have a have a have a thought to yourself about whether you can afford overtime it's probably likely you can't and if you can't afford overtime what how are you going to deal with that the next day or and the like if it's the last day maybe maybe there's some different thoughts in your head there's a real difficult balance between saving wherever possible and then also you know keeping everyone happy and making sure everything works the key thing really is to haggle before you get to set get the best deals before you get to set and get everything for the best price with the best the good team and then make everyone feel you know you've got a you've got three days or four days and everything's got to run as smoothly as possible and everyone's it's got to be happy and um, some things you just can't you can't save on So your relationship with the director is the most important one. It's such a partnership. You both want to know that you're setting out to make the same film. Like There has to be trust there. And that also filters into transparency on the film's budget. Like they don't need to know the inner workings of your budget purely because, you know, they should be focusing on their own craft. But I'm always happy to talk budget with a director. I think it's helpful to have that transparency over it because they need to know what we can achieve really um, and how to maximize the budget that we do have I try to encourage the directors to leave the no like the negotiating to the producer and to not talk money as it can it can sometimes complicate the relationship with their creative partners and like I would rather have those difficult conversations that's Sherry Dabon, 
a film producer whose credits include short films such as Sensational Simmy, For Love, Bufflehead, and as executive producer at the BFI Network and Film Hub Southeast backed The Last Days. Here she's discussing how to navigate budget conversations with a director and how to ensure that your budget is on the screen and what that even means. With directors, I suppose it's ensuring that you're constantly communicating and that they don't feel any type of way if they want to raise a concern or they're trying to reach for the stars, like join them, have a look at the stars. You should have the conversation and then work out what's possible. If your director is coming to you and you say, no immediately you've left no room for exploration everyone wants to make it work as well and you you never want to be the person to say no I would always say to to not say no straight away because you might find that actually after a conversation that there is a happy medium there or that something is possible I found actually a lot of the time those people for instance with the most expensive equipment are those who actually probably have the most money and the most time to be able to then give you their equipment or operate it for you for a discounted price. And so it depends on the relationships of everything. So I think a constant kind of communication and making sure that you're both set out to make the same film and have the same intentions. I always find that question quite interesting about trying to ensure that your budget is on the screen so when the audience can can watch it they feel like it's it's like the production have spent their money well I suppose it's a bit of a balance really you don't get like don't get caught up in prioritizing expensive camera gear if you haven't nailed the location or if it's going to take half a day just to travel to your next location there's a lot of empty time that you're paying that isn't shown on the screen. So I suppose it's making sure that that empty time is used to the best of your ability as well. So if, for instance, your setup is quite intricate, make sure you put in prep days and that you've not got the actor there for half a day waiting around. And then only when the afternoon comes in, are they able to come onto set? you won't have a happy set after that either. And that's what's on screen, your talent as well. So I think it's making sure that um, everything that you're doing and those empty spaces is all serving to the screen and to everything that into the story and what you're showing the audience in the end. Next up, Sherry discusses some roles that you might not initially factor into your budget, but depending on the story you're telling could be well worth considering and setting some money aside for as well as her tips for stretching that budget creatively. I think it's easy to become really practical with budgets, especially shorts. There's like so much to deliver and it adds up so quickly. Um, But I think depending on the scripts nowadays, I really try to consider the benefits of a wellbeing practitioner. So we recently, on a short I did last year, worked with um, Lou Platt. And she had also previously worked with Michaela on I May Destroy You. She came onto Script Evals, I think mainly because it had quite delicate topics. And so with our um, director, it was a very personal story of hers. And so it created a lovely moment for them to, to be able to talk and go through exactly what it is that she was bringing up and essentially the trauma. And so I think it's really, really important, actually, especially as a producer to kind of create that safe space for the director 
But not only that, she offered one-to-ones. She also offered like group therapy almost. It was a moment or a chance to have the crew all at the start of the production get together and just chat about the script and actually like the characters and topics and everything that they felt was relatable to them. Because a lot of the time when you're working in shorts, you're doing it for things that you love as well. And so for the most part, you want to be able to connect. So when you have quite sensitive issues that you want to talk about as a filmmaker, it extends to your gaffer, it extends to your art department, like everyone who's coming onto the set, you want to make sure you've created a safe space as possible. I also think along the same lines, an intimacy coordinator, like movement coaches in a similar vein as well of just making everyone feel like they're in that same safe space that's something that we're doing more and more of and definitely bringing that same practice from television and features into shorts and making sure that that's across the board for um for all of our work and we know to continue that in in our next endeavors so I would say those are probably two things that I would suggest as um something you might not consider first of all especially if you're a new producer and then there's the mundane things like cleaners (laughs) I actually found it really helpful to uh, put a little bit of dollar aside for a cleaner because sometimes you are moving from one set to the next and you don't have the luxury of a location manager so it's helpful sometimes to not round up your poor coordinators and directors and DOPs where you end up sweeping the floors of a restaurant or scrubbing at windows and desks and that so I think it's a small thing but a very helpful um, time and energy saver. Giving yourself little pockets of money secretly in your budget so if you've got drives already at home and you know that you can use them but BBC are giving you a bit of money for some drives put them in because there'll always be time where you know you might find that you actually do need the drives in the end or you want to use it for a makeup box or something different you kind of can put that budget in knowing that you can move it and shift it around constantly and they know that as well especially the networks and channels because that is what you're doing when you're a producer and you own a budget you're kind of moving it around constantly so I think giving yourself that extra buffer and allowing space in your budgets to just to have a little breather like a little room around so you can kind of shuffle things as and when you need to and also with your heads of departments so your art directors and your costume just allowing them a certain amount of the budget that you've put in for them and then you've got a bit of an overhead there for yourself in case they do go over because it does happen a lot and I think creators think that we're holding money away from them on purpose but it's it's literally our job to make sure that we can we have that buffer there. I think the most resourceful way probably is just to reuse and borrow especially in shorts I think we we're just a little community out there just trying to do our best and there's a million and one shorts going on at the same time to be honest and so you'll actually find that people will have leftovers and you can do call outs and ask if anyone's got spare trestle tables or chairs or urns and those little things that are really really helpful but you don't necessarily have to spend loads of money on them to be able to have them on your set there's just 
loads of productions around who might be wrapping up and they might be able to give them to you or lend them to you even. Lots of shorts are filmed at the weekend and so you might be able to use another productions if it's allowed. Take that onto your set. So I'd say kind of reusing as much as possible as well in terms of like we've bought printers before so just keeping hold of those and taking them back on set when you need them again. It's also quite, it's resourceful and it's like environmentally friendly. And finally, Sherry talks about why you shouldn't be afraid of the budget or spreadsheets and how you can gain confidence if you're putting together your very first budget. Those who suck at maths, like myself, Excel is your friend. Like She is your best friend. She's just there to help you along your way. So don't be scared of it and just kind of get stuck in with her straight away. Get a good budget template, whether that's from another producer um, and cost report and stuff and just play around with it. It's really satisfying to like get your head into there. And I always really like it when I'm like, like, I know this budget inside out. I know exactly what numbers are where and how it works. And I would say to always double check your formulas match up because that is just a very easy but often overlooked uh, mistake where you've just not connected the right formulas together. And so it's not actually adding up to what you spent or what you need to spend. And so you can find yourself at a bit of a loss for money. I'd probably say have another person check your budget as well. I always like to work with um, co-producers or my production managers be really close with me on the budget too so that they can triple check things. And also just in terms of like when we were speaking earlier about what would you put into a budget that might surprise others, like just getting their take on it as well and being like, oh, you've missed out like a DIT. You've forgotten to put in petty cash. There's like, let's think about locations more. We probably need more for petrol or parking. And I would probably say the only other thing would be for new new producers who aren't let's say VAT registered or don't have a limited company that to to make sure that you think about the extra VAT that's added onto everything that will be quoted to you (laughs) so bear that in mind because you don't want to come to the end of your shoot and be left with 20% extra to pay than you thought you were going to pay Thank you for listening to Shorthand. Look out for a new episode next week that will focus on casting and what you need to know about embarking on that process. Thank you to our guests this week, Emily Everdy, Jessie Romain and Sherry Darbon. Shorthand is a BFI Network and Film Hub Southeast podcast produced by Nicole Davis with support from the BFI Network and ICO team. Special thanks to our editor, Graciela Mechico and Epidemic for the music. <laughs>